All right, let's turn to Genesis chapter 40. We're going to continue in our study in the life of Joseph. Had a good time in this so far. A lot of it's been dealing with a person being done wrong and how he properly responds. And the amazing thing to this is he didn't even have a Bible at that time. Now, if a guy without a Bible can do it, we ought to be able to do it. Wouldn't you think? And we have the Holy Spirit of God living within us. We doubly ought to be able to do it. We know the story of the cross. We know the forgiveness of our Savior. We ought to be able to do it too. So, no excuse. Isn't that right? All right. Now, because I'm going to cover practically two chapters, I don't have time to read all the two chapters. Uh, There's a story that if you read your Bible and you've read your Bible a few times, you're very familiar with it already. But we'll read a few verses to get us started. In chapter 40, beginning in verse 5, the scripture says, And they, speaking of the butler and the baker in the prison where Joseph has been placed. And they dreamed a dream, both of them, each man his dream in one night, each man according to the interpretation of his dream, the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, which were bound in the prison. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them, and behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? And they said unto him, We have dreamed a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. And Joseph said unto them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me them, I pray you. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, In my dream, behold, a vine was before me, and in the vine were three branches, and it was as though it budded, and her blossom shot forth, and the clusters thereof brought forth ripe grapes. And Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and I gave the cup into Pharaoh's hand, and Joseph said unto him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days." Yet within three days shall Pharaoh lift up thine head and restore thee unto thy place, and thou shalt deliver Pharaoh's cup into his hand after the former manner when thou wast his butler. But think on me when it shall be well with thee, and show kindness, I pray thee, unto me, and make mention of me unto Pharaoh, and bring me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away out of the land of the Hebrews, and here also have I done nothing that they should put me into the dungeon. Now, you know the story. The baker now feels, since the butler got a good interpretation for his dream, the baker feels free to tell his dream to Joseph. And Joseph tells him the truth. Your dream means that in three days, Pharaoh's going to take your head off. And it all happened exactly like Joseph said. It says in verse 22, And he hanged the chief butler, as Joseph had interpretation had interpreted to them. Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forgot him. And then you get to chapter 41, and now Pharaoh's going to be dreaming. And Joseph is going to be called up from the prison to interpret the dream. And we'll talk about what happens with that. But here's what I want to zero in on tonight. I want to zero in on the amazing part of Joseph's service after being done wrong. And even though he was done wrong, done wrong by his family, done wrong by his brothers, uh, done wrong by Potiphar's wife, and he gets thrown in prison, and you understand that all of that takes 
13 years. We don't know how long he served as a slave, but we know that after slavery, after, uh, after Pharaoh, after Pharaoh's wife accused him of immorality, trying to rape her, trying to seduce her, and that was the total lie. It was really the other way around. She tried to seduce him. Uh, then the uh, Potiphar has him put in the prison. And he could have had him killed. He doesn't do that. And that makes me think that he didn't believe his own wife. He believed that that story was fishy. But he had to save face. There's no doubt. This guy's not a Christian man, you understand. Potiphar, he did recognize the hand of the Lord was upon Joseph, but he was in a tight spot. So he threw him into prison. Now, however long he was in the prison, plus however long he was a slave, Joseph had 13 years of his life taken from him to be answerable to other people. And in both situations, he serves well. And in both situations, the Lord says, the Bible says, and the Spirit of the Lord God or the Lord God was with him and all that he did. Now, most people, I mean, 13 years. Think about 13 years. But Joseph keeps the attitude of a servant. And he serves, whether a slave in Potiphar's house, he served. Uh, Whether he's in the prison and he's put over the other prisoners, he served them. It had been a great time to lord over them and to make them at least pay in some way for his hardship. He doesn't do that. He serves them. This is about service. Whether people appreciate it, whether they like it, whether they do you wrong or not, about service and our responsibility to serve. I want you to notice the practice of service. First of all, it seems to be in his passion to serve. For it says in verse, uh, verse 3, And he put them in ward in the house of the captain of the guard, into the prison, the place where Joseph was bound. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them. Now underline this. And he served them. He didn't have to serve them. He was over them. Now in society, they were over him. But they're in a different society now. They're in prison. And Joseph is over them. It says that the captain of the guard, who is Potiphar, that he has put them under Joseph's hand. And Joseph serves them. It's been a great time to say, hey, go get me a glass of water. Wash my feet. Make it nicer for me. Clean up my cell. He doesn't do that. He serves. Now, you say, well, what did they do to deserve him serving them? They hadn't done anything to deserve to serve him. And as far as he knew at this particular point, they could be exalted back up into Pharaoh's room the next day. But he serves. The passion of service. It had... Yeah, he had served the common prisoners. Now he gets to serve the high-profile prisoners. He served the slaver, Potiphar. And then he served the jailer. And now, in his exalted position, he still serves. It's in the nature of him to serve. Not many people are like that. This is, this is so unusual. It's out of character for man. And you remember, the reason he was sold into slavery was because his dad said, go and see how your brothers are doing. And he said, here am I. And he went. He served his dad. And the service of his dad got him sold off into slavery. 
but he served. That's his heart. A major lesson here, and I want you to get this. Young people, I want you to get this. You get this, it'll help you throughout your life. Here's a lesson. If you get this part of the lesson, you get nothing else. This will help you all the rest of your life. I want you to get it. You're not ready to lead until you're ready to serve. People want a position with authority. You're not ready for a position of authority until you're ready to serve. I want to say that a hundred times. I'd like to go up, go up to a blackboard, every one of us, and write it down, all of us, over and over again. Serving before leading. Serving before leading. And leading is serving. Leading is serving. If you're not ready to serve, you have no business leading anybody. All you'll be is a petty tyrant who will always be looking out for yourself. You're not worthy of being, a, of being in any position of leadership until you learn how to serve. Now, we've got people today, of course, our modern day, where you can get rich by making a TikTok video or getting your own channel on YouTube, and you can make a fortune on that kind of stuff with all the advertising, and you think everybody ought to bow to you and all that. That's, that's what they do, and they haven't served anybody. All they've done has been narcissists pushing themselves before everybody, thinking that makes them special. The Bible says, for if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, notice, when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. When he has the opportunity to interpret their dreams and predict the future, he was willing. All of this in spite of the fact that his own dreams had little fulfillment. He had had his own dreams 13 years before that, or even a little over 13 years. And what had they gotten him? His own dreams had gotten him as a slave. His own dreams had gotten him in prison. His own dreams has only brought one hardship after another. His own dreams that God had given him. Has God forgotten him? Not at all. He's in God's school. You know, with us, with Madison Baptist Theological Seminary or Southeastern Fundamental Baptist College uh, that we had, all of that, um, we had a curriculum we had a set time, you complete this course, this course, this course, you get your degree. You get enough credits, you get your degree. But when you get in God's school, you don't know how long that's going to be. I mean, before God moves you on to the next step, he may take you down three steps. Because God's school is individualized schooling. And with everybody, it's different. It may be a while before you learn the things you need to learn in order to be able to serve in a place where God wants you to serve. You see, God has not lost sight of Joseph. Not only that, his previous service had resulted in unjust treatment. And yet here he is serving. His present place of service was so lowly. He's in the prison house. Who's going to see him in the prison house? He's not able to get anything for himself, and he's serving. He's not sitting there pouting. Like a lot of Christians do. They pout because they haven't had the recognition they think is due them. We don't find him pouting. We find him serving. It may be a lowly position, but it's worth service. Servanthood. These constitute the reasons a lot of people stop serving because they experience poor results in past service. Their dreams, their plans, see little fulfill, uh, plans, see little fulfillment. Because they were slighted or mistreated in previous service, therefore they stop because it's just not fair. 
Some because they see their place as being too lowly. But the Lord Jesus Christ had an awful lot to say about service. In Matthew, I'm sorry, Mark chapter 10, verses 42 through 45, I want you to get it. Jesus is speaking. He says, you know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even hereunto the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Those who complain about lack of opportunity are those who do not take the opportunity that they have to serve. There are all kinds of opportunities to serve. I'm talking about serve. I'm not talking about a position of authority. I'm saying there are all kinds of opportunities to serve. And it's really easy to get in one of those opportunities because there are very few potential candidates. They want the position. They want the power. They want the recognition. And the service is just a bad way of getting there. But for the real servant, that's the only way there. With the Lord, the way up is down. Humble yourself. God resisteth the proud, but he giveth grace to the humble. So that was his passion. In it, we also see his patience. Verse 14, he says, But think on me when it shall be well with thee and show kindness. I pray thee unto me and make mention of me and the Pharaoh and bring me out of his house. Now, the way this is put in verse 23 is amazing. It says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph. And so you understand what it means by him not remembering him. He forgot him. He didn't just fail to mention him. He forgot him. A lot of people forget any good done to him. They forget the people that helped them to get where they were, who sometimes may have done some little things, may have done some great things. There's so many people who think they're self-made men. And there's no such thing. Not matter of fact, you go down to verse 1 of chapter 41, it came to pass at the end of two full years. Two full years. The butler has forgotten him. What's he doing? He's still in prison. He's still serving prisoners. He's still locked up. Two full years. Most of, most of us would be angry at a weekend. Isn't that right? Two full years. And it's not that the guy's going to come around. He's forgotten him. Now, God's going to bring things to mind where he'll have to remember him. Uh, That's to be sure. He has to be remembered. For two full years, the butler forgets Joseph. For two full years more, he stays in prison. How many times, I wonder, did he think that it was all for nothing? I don't know that he thought that way. I don't know that that was his heart. You see, he had a dream. He had a God-given dream. It was not a dream that he made up. It was a God-given dream. And he believed what God had given him. He believed, even when he's in the prison, even when he's forgotten by people, he believed that God was still going to do something. So he continued to serve. In our microwave age, we've lost the ability to wait upon the Lord. 
We want everything now. I'll tell you what, I, I think, uh, Brother Myers, that's what a lot of our missionaries learn. It would be simple if we could get everything we wanted right now. But it's amazing how much missionaries have to wait on so many things. If, if you read Brother uh, Stark's book on To God Be the Glory and the fact that he had to make when he went down to Uganda before there was anybody else there, any other missionaries there, he had to make 27 trips from Masindi down to the capital to try to get his goods from the government that had been sent there. Every missionary I know has to wait. And do you know there's not a country out there that's just excited as they can be about doing everything that they can for the missionaries? It's amazing how many of the uh, people that are in those different offices are waiting for a bribe to help, like Festus. I mean, this is phenomenal, but we, we don't have the patience to wait. In the waiting, even if they mean it for evil, God means it for good. Even in the waiting, God teaches us things. John the Baptist had to wait 30 years before he could be the herald for Jesus. 30 years. He knew what God called him to do, but he couldn't do it until it came time for Jesus to come on the scene. And then he started doing it. Moses had to wait 40 more years before he could deliver Israel. He was ready at the age of 40. God calls him from the sheep pen at the age of 80. He had to wait 40 more years. Paul had served several, had several periods of waiting in service. He was sent to Tarsus after he got saved. In Acts chapter 9, sent to Tarsus. Finally, Barnabas comes and gets him. And uh, to bring him to Antioch, they say perhaps as much as seven years passed before he finally got the call to go and help Barnabas. And then it was an, as, as an assistant. And then later he stayed imprisoned in Caesarea for two years under Felix and Festus waiting for a bribe. And then he still doesn't get out. He gets shipped over to Rome where he spends another two years in prison before he gets out for a brief time and then goes back to prison only to have his head chopped off. But during that time, he wrote the prison epistles. Thank God for the prison epistles. That's part of our Bible. God used him in that. He still served the Lord in going through all of that. Learning to wait on the Lord. I can't say this enough. Number of verses dealing with waiting on the Lord. I think this doctrine is practically as important as any other that's in the Scripture on the importance of waiting on the Lord. I'll give you a number of verses here. Isaiah 40, 31. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. They shall, they shall uh, they'll do other things too that he mentions there. All right, turn over to Psalm 37. <laughs> they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Uh, anyway, uh, turn over to Psalm 37. I'm going to begin reading in verse 4. I want you to get this idea about waiting on the Lord. Notice, beginning verse 4, he says, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth, he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass, cease from anger, 
Forsake wrath, fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. For evildoers shall be cut off out of those uh, cut off, but those that wait upon the Lord, they shall inherit the earth for yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt diligently consider his place, and it shall not be, but the meek shall inherit the earth and shall delight themselves in the abundance of peace. Look at verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delighteth in his way. Though he fall, he shall not be utterly cast down. For the Lord upholdeth him with his hands. Go down to verse 34. Wait on the Lord and keep his way. And he shall exalt thee to inherit the land when the wicked are cut off and thou shalt see it. Wait on the Lord. We go on down to uh, Psalm 25, beginning in verse 15. Mine eyes are ever turned toward the Lord, for he shall pluck my feet out of the net. Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me, for I am desolate and afflicted. The troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring me out of my distresses. Look upon mine affliction and my pain, and forgive all my sins. Consider mine enemies, for they are many, and they hate me with cruel hatred. Oh, keep my soul and deliver me. Let me not be ashamed, for I put my trust in thee. Let integrity and uprightness preserve me. Underline that rest of that verse. For I wait on thee. Psalm 27 and verse 1. Wait on the Lord and be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thy heart. His passion and patience For service, he's willing to wait on the Lord. To wait for God's time. To wait for God's opportunity. And it may be years. You get that? Nobody wants to wait. Who wants to wait that long? It may be years. I'm telling you now, this will help you if you get it. I don't know that you'll be suddenly vice president of the country. I mean, he suddenly becomes the vice president in chapter 41. What a move from the prison house. You know, normally our leaders go the other way from the... Anyway. (laughs) Then there's the pronouncement of Joseph in chapter 41... Verses 1 through 32. First of all, uh, glorifying God. Matter of fact, look back for a moment in chapter 40, verse 6. Chapter 40, and he left all that he had. I'm sorry. Chapter 40 and verse 6. And Joseph came in unto them in the morning and looked upon them. And behold, they were sad. And he asked Pharaoh's officers that were with him in the ward of his Lord's house, saying, Wherefore look ye so sadly today? He's concerned about their feelings. What about that? He's concerned about the feelings of these Egyptians. You remember that the Jews, the Hebrews, were an abomination to the Egyptians. And here's this one that's considered an abomination by these men who had been in Pharaoh's court, served in Pharaoh's court. And he said, you look sad today. What's going on? He's concerned about others. Looked at chapter 41, verse 16, and Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It's not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. He's glorifying God. 
In 1 Samuel chapter 2 and verse 30, the Bible declares them that honor me, I will honor. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 31, whether therefore you eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. We're here to glorify God. That's number one. We're not here to get a better situation for ourselves. We're here to glorify God. We need to get that. If we don't get that, we are robbing of ourselves of the best that God has for us. God is to get glory in all that we do. Any talent that we have at all to be a blessing to others comes from God. And he should get the glory. You know, it's interesting that sometimes a, a pastor will have some success in a place or maybe for a few years and suddenly he gets invited to go to all the different conferences to find out how he did it. Why don't we get in the Bible, find out how God does it and follow him. And then we lift up men like somehow that makes the man important. I've got news for you. The same Jesus that had great crowds and healed many had some of those crowds want to kill him. It says in Matthew 13, 58, and he did not many mighty works there because of their unbelief. But the same Jesus that couldn't do mighty works around his own area did great works in other places. Same Jesus, no different. He wasn't backslidden in one place. He was the same great son of God in both places. And a man can go one place and be a great success and go to another place and not see much happen at all. Same man doing exactly the same thing. There is not a formula that promises a great revival every time you get up. Formulas are for the devil's crowd. Following and obeying God. Sometimes, for instance, you take a preacher. Sometimes, I believe, a preacher is called to a place to be a witness against it. That God brought them a light, they didn't receive it. But that's basically what Jesus tells his disciples when he sends out the 70. In some places they'd be received, in other places they wouldn't. It had nothing to do with whether they were better at one place or the other. It had to do with the soil. As a matter of fact, when Jesus tells the story of the sower that went forth to sow, he sowed seed in all those different places. The difference with the success in the last one and the lack of success in the other three had nothing to do with the sower. It had everything to do with the soil. See, we don't understand. We're not much. The fact that God would even allow us to serve him is amazing. We were sinners on our way to hell. We deserve hell. And he not only saved us, but by grace he gives us the opportunity to serve him. That ought to thrill our hearts. But don't you dare let any success in service blow up your mind to think you're something that you're not. God is still the one we look to. He is still the power. He is still the one that's to get glory from everything that's done. Two sins can be involved here. One, not giving God the glory. And praise for what he has given you kind of reminds me. There was a movie that I saw many, many years. I hate it. Hate it. Jimmy Stewart was the main character in it. It was called Shenandoah. I hate it. First of all, it's a dumb story. It's a dumb story because they have one boy run off to the war. And Jimmy Stewart and a couple of his boys, they go to try to find the young boy that ran off to war. Meanwhile, at least one of them gets killed while they're out there. And uh, the boy comes home on his own eventually. And he has another boy and daughter-in-law who get killed by deserters. 
And then, but twice in the movie, he is sitting over the table uh, for a meal. And he leads the family in prayer. Lord, we want to thank you for this food. Even though we plowed it, we planted it, we reaped it. We want to, I don't know about you, but that just disgusts the fire out of me. That is stuck in my mind. But that sounds like a lot of Christians today. They think somehow they deserve some glory out of what God's done with them. When God deserves all the glory. So he glorifies God, number one, and then he gives truth. Now, when the butler gives him his, his uh, dream, he simply tells him the truth. And he gives it straight. When the baker gives Joseph the dream, it's bad news. He doesn't say something good's going to happen to you today. He tells it straight. He gave it straight. The job of the pastor is to tell the truth, not to make people feel better. They need to hear the truth. And a lot of times that truth is hard to hear. You know that had to be tough on that baker to hear that, that his head was going to be cut off in three days. Going to be hung. But then he gets called before Pharaoh of all things. And he gives God the glory. He says, God is the one who interprets dreams. Tell me the dream. I'll give you the meaning. He gave God the glory first. And the first part of the news was good news. Seven years of plenty. Second part of the dreams, bad news. Going to be seven years of famine. So the Pharaoh begins to think. And he thinks, uh, you know, we need somebody. Well, he tells him, what should we do? And Joseph tells him, you need to get somebody that will take care of everything. That during the years of plenty, they'll collect it in. And then there'll be enough to take care of the people during the other time. And so, by the way, now here's where Joseph had to be a Democrat. He comes up with a plan to tax the people. (laughs) Just kidding. Just kidding out there on the Internet. But there's a lot of humor and truth. Anyway, uh, he gives them the plan. Pharaoh says, (laughs) who, who can we get? Now, Joseph doesn't say, I think I'd be a good candidate. He lets God take care of that moving upon Pharaoh's heart. He was wise enough to give us the dreams. We'll give him a shot. And, of course, that sets the stage for, during the famine, for Jacob and his family all coming down to Egypt to be taken care of during the famine. But the point is this. He gives the truth. In Jeremiah 28, 9, the scripture says, When the word of the prophet shall come to pass, then shall the prophet be known that the Lord may tru- hath truly sent him. So he has good news and bad news, and then good news because it's going to work out okay. And then he, But I want you to notice this. He gives respect to Pharaoh. Who is Pharaoh? Well, he's king of Egypt, but he's a pagan. He not only worships false gods, he believes he is God. The Pharaoh of Egypt believed he was deity. That's who Joseph is helping. Think about it for a moment. I got news for you. There are pagans in the scripture that God used. For instance, he used Cyrus to get some of the children of Israel out of exile to come back, build the temple. Used another king, Darius, another pagan, used him to also for the return of Israel. 
There are times that God used the ungodly. And we are not an enemy to the ungodly. We're trying to reach them. I want you to understand that. We are not an enemy to the ungodly. We are trying to reach them with the gospel of Christ so they can get to heaven as well. But notice in verse 14 of chapter 41, it says, Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. Why on earth would he shave himself? He's in Pharaoh's prison. Why would he shave himself to go into Pharaoh's presence? He didn't ask to be called. Pharaoh's called him. Because we're supposed to give honor to whom honor is due. And according to Romans chapter 13, that includes those that are in authority over us. We are to present ourselves acceptably. Now, you may not like who's president. You may not like who's vice president. You may not like who's serving in the Senate or who's serving in the House of Representatives. You may not like who the governor is or who's serving in the Congress. You may not like who your mayor is or anything like that. But the powers that be are ordained of God. And I want you to get this. God has either given us what we need or he's given us what we deserve. And if you say, well, boy, he evidently has surely given us what we deserve. Well, what's the cure for that? To do better so that we can deserve better. God's put these people. You can get mad at the Democrats all you want. The United States of America has got what it's got because of its people, the wickedness of its people. And God himself has done it. Now get that. Well, you say, no, no, it's the Jews, all the money the Jews have. Oh, get over it. I got news for you. There are a lot of Gentiles out there with billions of bucks. It's not about the Jews. My stars. You read some of this stuff, some of you people need to grow up and get a life. Read your Bible. You want to find out what's going on? Read your Bible. Anyway. A lot more we can say about that. But understand this. The heart of the king is in the hand of the Lord, and as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. All right, we don't like the direction that the nation is headed. Pray for our president. Pray for our vice president. Pray for our Congress. Pray for our police. Pray for them. As a matter of fact, turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 2. Get this. I don't care who the president is. 1 Timothy chapter 2. He says, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for... Now, you know, someone will say, well, we don't have a king. We have a president. Look what he says. And for all that are in authority. That includes presidents. That includes governors. For all that are in authority, we're supposed to be praying. Why? That we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this, now look at this, for this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. 
In 2 Peter chapter 2, verses 10 to 11, he says this, But chiefly them that walk after the flesh, in the lust of uncleanness, and despise governments, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignities. You better be careful what you say about those who are in authority over us. They may be sorry as the devil in a lot of ways. But we get right with God and start praying for them. God can change their hearts. We need to understand that. And for anybody who's thinking you're trusting in a political party to do it, that's not happening. We need to pray for all in authority over us. Now, we may disagree. We may speak out about the issues. But we are to be respectful. Here's Joseph. He doesn't even have a Bible. He doesn't even have Romans chapter 13. But I believe he believed it. He's shaving. He puts on a change of clothes. He looks decent to come into the presence of godless Pharaoh. We ought to look decent to come into the presence of the God of heaven. We should show respect for our God. That, you know, that's part of the problem in this country. We don't want to show respect for anybody or anything. And we think God shouldn't care about what we look like. He does. He said an awful lot about clothes. Let me tell you something. He says a whole lot more about clothes in the scripture than he does about smoking. I'm against smoking. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. And I don't care what it is that's inside the paper. But he says an awful lot more about clothes, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. You know, those passages so many Christians today want to believe aren't really authoritative. They're in the Bible. They're not authoritative. But I just want to tell you, all the Bible is authoritative. All right. And then guarding the opportunities. In verses 33 through 37, Joseph does not stop with the interpretation. What led him to speak on? Did, he, did Joseph really want the Egyptians to be successful? It appears he did. It appears he wanted them to be successful. Why? He's a servant. That's what servants do. They serve. They serve. And Joseph is commended by God. This is a position that God had prepared him for. And he not only gave Joseph Joseph the interpretation, but the plan as well. Now, was Joseph seeking the opportunity for power? We have no indication he had any idea that this was happening. Suddenly, he's in the presence of the king of Egypt, the most powerful nation in the world at this time. He does not suggest himself. He's been a servant. But if the dream was of God for Pharaoh, and Joseph says it was, then truly God wanted Pharaoh to act upon it wisely. So Joseph kept talking and then shut up when he was done. What would be the chance that he would be given that position? Well, you got to understand, he's in God's school. And God's moving things along. And he's willing to wait on the Lord. And while he's waiting, still serve. Whether it be the slave house or the prison house, he's willing to still wait on the Lord and serve. We're getting ready to get into 2023. We need to understand something about serving and waiting on the Lord. What a difference it can make in our lives. 
And I wonder how much we have robbed ourselves of being able to do because we haven't learned how to serve. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Teach us here from this episode in Joseph's life. May we get it. Sometimes, sometimes Lord, I feel like I'm, I'm just speaking words out into the air. If we don't get them, though, we miss the message, we miss the blessing, we miss the potential that we have in all of our service for you. Bless on in our invitation, I pray, in Jesus' name.